I, I don't know if you recognize, you watch it there, but um, Matthew didn't deserve what he got. <laughs> Matthew did not deserve the life that he was about to get, right? Nothing in his life up to that point would say, hey, this guy's going to live the good life. He might have a lot of money, but he's not going to have any friends. You know, <laughs> the, the kids pointed out he, people don't like the tax collectors. Um, Matthew's a lot like the rest of us. In our series, we're going to start finding the good life. Um, we're all trying to find the good life, I, I think. I think, I think you'd be dishonest if you said, I, I'm, I'm looking for a horrible life. I'm looking for a difficult life. I want a life that's miserable. I, I think you would not be truthful. Um, and the fascinating thing is about this, this finding this good life um, is that while the good life is generally understood to be, you know, you know on, on the one hand, pain-free as possible, and on the other hand, filled with joy and happiness as possible, right? In general, that's what we think of as the good life. No pain, all joy, good life. Boy, that was a, that was a great, great, great life. Um, but here's the deal. The truth or the correct information about the way um, or the route to this supposedly good life there are a lot of opinions out there. There are a lot of options, plenty of options. In fact, hit that next slide there. I'm just going to show you. This is just a sampling, right? Graduates um, and the rest of you, you can decide from this list and, and you can add to it. Um, what do you want the end goal? What, what, what's the goal? What's the purpose of your life? And, and people have bought into all of these. Um, some of them, they mixed and matched. They, they, they looked at the list and they thought, well, faith, yeah, I, I want to have faith, but I also want to have a good career and I also want to have a lot of money and I also want to have a good family and I, I want to look good. And, and so what happened is we, we, we mix and match trying to find the good life, right? We'll take a little bit of Jesus and a, dish of, a pinch of that and a dash of this and, and we'll kind of cobble together what we hope will be the good life. Um, and I think we all know people who, who did this, and, and they chased a rabbit down one of these paths thinking that they were just going to do a dash or a, a pinch of it, and, and we never saw them again. I have a very good friend I might have shared with you before. He got involved in alcohol and drugs, and um, drugs mainly, um, worked in the restaurant with him, and he thought that was going to bring him the good life, and he lost his mind. He's in a mental hospital for the rest of his life. He mixed and matched. Right? And he, he thought I could have a little bit of Jesus, but I could have a little bit of this other stuff, and it was toxic. It was toxic. Again, this menu of options is for everyone, but particularly our four graduates. And again, I, I'll just be honest with you, some will choose wisely and some not so much. Uh, just being honest. And look around. You, you can ask, testify. The people in this room, they probably made some mistakes. Graduates, you can even ask them, what are, what are the mistakes you make? And if they're honest, they'll, they'll tell you. A little bit of it. <laughs> I won't tell you everything. I'll tell you that right now. Um, anyway, again, some will choose wisely and some not so much. Now, here's the key about all these things that you're looking up there. They all offer different end goals that promise that sought-after good life, right? The pain-free, the joyous existence, right? We look down that list and people have chosen, yeah, that's the one that's going to deliver, right? Or this one is going to deliver, that one a combination. This is going to deliver the life that I want, but again, we played mix and match. College graduates ask some folks in here, and they'll tell you what happens when they mixed and matched. Um, they got lost. They lost their way. 
In fact, this is for their, these lost sheep that lost their way, these are the sheep that Jesus came for. In fact, this says this in John, John 10, 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And the thief were the leaders of ancient Israel. We, we, we make it out to be Satan, and, and, and it can be that, but really in the context of the passage, it's the leaders of Israel had led the people astray. They had looked at that list and said, yeah, all these things, these are the good life. These are the good life. He led the people astray. But Jesus came to give us life. He gave us that highly sought after, pain-free, joyous existence in him. Life to the full, life abundant, different translations, the good life. But it's only accessible if we take a journey with Jesus, right? We all in our minds, we think about this good life and we see ourselves in that good life with our friends, with our family. And I don't know how many of us see Jesus in that picture in the good life. And I, I, and I understand this. The good life for, for people can, can be all over the map. I mean, all the way down here, the good life is if I can just kick this addiction, right? This heroin addiction is just killing me. If I can just do that, ah, good life. And then you move on down a scale, a continuum, right? Some people just want to get a job, find a home, right? They never got involved in the addictions, but they don't have a home. They don't have a job. And then it progresses to maybe some followers of Jesus Christ and, and the good life for them, quite honestly, Man, if I could just make it to 10% tithing, right? I can barely handle 2%. 10% though. And for others of you, right, the good life is if you can get your whole family to church on time. Like the good life. I got everybody here and we're going to worship as a family. Happens once a month. The good life. It's different for everybody. It's different for everybody. But again, the Bible says this, that we can only enjoy the good life if we are journeying with Jesus. And the crazy thing about this journey, I love this about this journey, um, it's not a journey that even COVID travel restrictions could touch, right? A lot of people are going to get this book for graduation. It's a, it's a gift my, my wife likes to give. She was a librarian, loves Dr. Seuss, um, all the places you'll go. And if you've looked at this book, it, it's basically a book about the opportunities and, and the places that you'll go after you graduate, you know, you get a good education and boy, oh boy, oh boy, the, the, the places you'll go. And many, many will go off to college far, far away. In another city, maybe we know people who went to another country to get their education far, far away. And, and, and others, others of us will, will graduate from college, come home, and then move to find a job to another far away city, far, far, far away country, far from mom and dad. Um, but the journey with Jesus, it, it's not a far journey. I'm going to make you go home and look in your dictionaries. There's a difference between far with an A and further with a U, right? Further down the road, the journey with Jesus, you're not going to have to take a trip necessarily. It's not a trip about distance. It's a trip further into an idea, further into this idea of this ideal life, this, this, this idealized life that we all want so badly, right? Finding the good life. And again, you don't have to travel far, but you kind of got to go further into the idea. And, and, and how do you get a hold of this good life? Because it, it is accessible right here. You, you don't got to go to California. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. My bad. Yeah, some of you don't get that. The problem is that folks want to start here at the good life, and they want to arrive quickly, right, with as little pain, as little effort as possible. They want to be instantaneously transported, right, like in Star Trek, bam, arrived at the good life. 
rather than be transformed in what is more often than not a really long and difficult emotional and spiritual journey, right? It just doesn't arrive. It doesn't just happen. As we read earlier, Jesus invites us to this journey with him. He says, come follow me. Come follow me. Another word for this journey that Jesus is describing is discipleship. Right? That's what we call it in the church. If you're walking with Jesus, you're involved in discipleship, right? You're becoming a disciple of Jesus. By walking with him, you're starting to act like Jesus. You're starting to think like Jesus. You're being discipled by Jesus. You're being shaped by Jesus, right? So we, we got that word kind of in our heads. Discipleship is following the way of Jesus with Jesus. And as many will testify, this journey is not an easy one. Change is never easy, right? We know this. But he loves us too much to leave us where he finds us. And the crazy thing about where he finds us, he doesn't even leave us with a map. He doesn't leave us with instructions. He doesn't leave us with the good book. He says, I'll tell you what, I'll walk with you the entire way. I will walk with you beginning today all the way to the very end. You will not walk alone. I'll walk with you in this, this discipleship, this, this journey. And the end goal of discipleship, this journey with Jesus, is to actually be Christ-like, to be just like Jesus. And I, and I know a lot of people, you know, maybe at home, they're thinking, like, now time out, blow the whistle, uh, illegal procedure, right? How can we be Christ-like? I mean, it, it's all I can do to not scream at my kids, like, for one hour. I mean, to be Christ-like? Are you kidding me? That's impossible, Again, I can't even get my kids to church on time, and you're talking about being Christ-like? That is impossible, except for one very small detail that I think many of you are, are catching on to, and you've heard it now. You're, you're not going to be alone. You're going to be walking with Jesus, right? We journey with Jesus. And again, that's why it's called a journey of grace. It's a journey that you take that you need, that you can't get on your own, and you can't earn it, but you need it. You might not even realize that you need it, but God does. And so he walks beside you. So what do we mean by grace, this journey of grace? Three words I kind of get tossed around a lot. Justice is getting what we deserve. Nobody wants that. Well, we want it for our neighbor, but we don't want it for us. Is that, is that pretty accurate, right? Come on, say yes. Um, mercy, not getting what we deserve, right? That's when you throw yourself on the mercy of the court. I've done that before. I showed up with a bunch of tickets, and the judge was merciful. He threw out several of them. I still had to pay for one, but I was like, he gave me mercy. But now you think about mercy, that, that's not the good life. Certainly justice isn't the good life because nobody wants to get what they deserve, but mercy isn't the good life either. I mean, how good is a life? Hey, I didn't get punished today. Woohoo! <laughs> the good life. No, that's not the good life. That's skating by. That's barely making it. But then we get to grace. Amazing grace. Amazing grace is that thing that we're given, again, that we did not deserve. We could not have ever gotten it on our own, but we desperately need it. And God loves us so much, says here. Matthew, the tax collector in the story, he's a horrible person. But not in Jesus' eyes. He deserves the very best. He was a child of God, made in the image of his father. And so he loved Matthew. Once again, we get it all backwards, though. Right? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But we want the Jesus way without the Jesus truth and without the Jesus life. In other words, Jesus is the way because he is the truth and the life. 
Right? You can't start at life. That's what we all want to do. We kind of named our, our sermon series that for kind of a tongue-in-cheek. If you decide at the outset, I'm going to find the good life, you're already, you've already gone down the wrong road. I'll just tell you right now. You've gone down the wrong road. You can't start at the life or find the truth even, for that matter, without traveling the way with Jesus because He embodies the life with God and He embodies the truth about God. So you cannot arrive at either one of those two things without traveling with Jesus. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm talking in circles here, right? So what does the way look like? I'm going to look at two separate accounts, same event. Matthew, it's a very, very curt, short event uh, description, and I'll tell you why. And then I'm going to look at the book of Luke, and Luke draws it out, and and I'll explain why Luke draws it out. Um, Matthew kind of leaves us struggling. I'll be honest with you. He leaves us struggling a little bit, but but Luke, he he kind of teases it out, and then then I get it. Then 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 it makes sense to me because I'm not a Jewish, Jewish person. So here's Matthew's account. This starts in chapter 18. We had it read earlier. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. <coughs> At once they left their nets and they followed him. Just like that, right? They quit working, they followed him. Bam, boom. Verse 21, it gets even, I don't know, for me, it gets even a little bit more unreal. I, I know of nobody in my life that Jesus called, they just dropped everything and went, all right? It was a long, drawn-out battle, every person I know. Now, maybe there are a few that, that God called you, and man, you were, you were down the road, right? You, you didn't even think. I think you're rare. <laughs> you're very rare. And the people around you might be irritated if you tell them that, um, because they're struggling. They're struggling. And this story is for those who struggle with the call. And, and like you think like you're, you're almost there, but you're not. This, this is for you. This is for you. All right. Verse 21 says, going, from, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And I'm, I'm reading this, and I'm thinking, Dad, I'm sorry, but... Goodbye. I, I just, I don't see it happening. I, it, it's, again, the way I heard it preached, if you love Jesus, you'll follow no matter what, right? Drop everything. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Anybody hear those growing up? And, and you're thinking, oh, man, I'd love to get there, but right now I'm here. I'd love to make him Lord of all, but I can barely make him Lord of breakfast, right? That's a huge step for me. I would love to make him Lord of all, but, oh, man, he's going to be, he's gonna have to be filled with grace for me. Right? He can't give me what I deserve. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, please. I desperately need what I cannot give myself, and only he can give me. So with Matthew writing to good Jews, the outcome was inevitable. Every good Jewish boy dreamed of a rabbi saying, follow me. They drop everything. The family had been praying for that for ages. Zebedee, the dad, like, finally, a rabbi trusted my two knuckleheaded sons, right? Dad's thrilled that the boys got called because now they're not going to be fishermen. They're going to be religious people. And in that culture, that was, that, that, that was the top. You know, in our culture, it's kind of the bottom, but they're the very, 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 very top. But with the Gentiles that Luke writes his gospel for, there was a lot more involved, so he teases it out. They had no idea about this calling, come follow me, right? They, they, they were people who followed lots and lots of gods, so Luke kind of had to, 
read into the story a little bit, read into Jesus' heart just a little bit. So we're going to now switch to Luke um, chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse, verse 1. Again, for the, for, the, for the Jews, it was what should have happened, but for the Gentiles, it was amazing grace. It was amazing. They never would have dreamed that it would have come to them. But here Jesus was offering it to them. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day, same story, same story. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gerdensaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Now, we're, going to, we're talking a lot about grace this morning, amazing grace, right? That thing that we can't earn, we didn't bring on our own. And you, and you look at this opening scene, and, and Jesus hasn't, right? It's not a church service. You got to be there, or, or people are going to look at you funny. It, there's no guilt involved. There's no shame involved. He just, he's... He's, tell, he's talking in such a way that the people want to hear him. They're crowding around. He's so gracious. Where the religious leaders are, uh, and uh, he's just like, ah, no. I'm like, yeah, this guy's fun to listen to. I know I'm a wreck, but I'll listen to this rabbi any day. Maybe this is you. Right, you're on your journey of grace, sitting at home, sitting here in the audience. You, you're kind of at the sit and listen, right? You know nothing about Jesus, but he sounds amazing, right? He sounds amazing, and, and you've decided you're, you're just going to sit and listen. And I just want to congratulate you. You've, you've taken a very, very important first step to a gracious invitation to a journey, Christ asked you to walk beside him, and you decided, well, I guess I'll go to church and listen to what he says. That's a huge first step. You've responded well to a gracious invitation. Jesus isn't asking anything of you, not that you're, anything that you're not prepared to give. He's just saying, hey, walk with me. Walk with me. See, see how it feels. Try it on. All right, now, imagine, again, a big crowd gathered at the water's edge and and Jesus' back is to the lake. Like, imagine the lake behind me, and you're the crowd. And he's backing up, and he's now his feet are in the water, and the crowd is pressing in on him. Verse 2, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And I've shared this with you before. They, they fish at night, um, stretch their nets out to dry during the daytime. They collect all the garbage out of the nets, roll them up, take them home. They fish at night. You know, during the day, the, the water at the top is very, very warm, so the, the, the fish go very, very deep, can't get to them with their nets. So they're sitting there listening to Jesus. They're cleaning their nets, tossing the garbage out of their nets, starting to roll him up, and suddenly <laughs> Jesus gets into Peter's boat, right? And, and I don't, you know, as I think about it, uh, well, verse 3, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Just, just give me a little bit of room, right? The crowd isn't going to follow us into the water, so just... just just pull out a little bit out into the water here. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And again, you know, Peter's like, hey, what are you doing? I, I, you were down there and you were talking. I, I didn't invite you into my boat. But Jesus just kind of, he didn't inconvenience Peter, really. He just kind of continued a conversation, right? He knew Peter was sitting over here listening doing the nets, and Jesus is talking to the crowd, and I, I bet you Jesus is, he kind of keeps glancing over at Simon and his brother and 
because they're listening. Right? He's talking to the crowd, but, but these two guys, and, and these are the two I want. I've been watching them. I, w- I want these two. And so there's, there's something going on here, something going on here, right? Reaching out, Jesus reaching out, an invitation to further the journey. And again, maybe you're at this stage, right? It's time to loan them the boat, right? You sat and listened for a while, but, but maybe now, now if you're listening to me, you're at, you're at home and, um, and you're thinking, um, maybe I want to trust this guy, right? He, he sounds great. He hasn't heard me. He hasn't demanded anything too outrageous yet, and maybe I will continue this walk with him. Maybe I'll continue this journey. I'll loan him the boat. It won't cost me anything, right? You don't have to give up any money. You don't have to quit your job. You don't have to, you know, stop killing people. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You just, just, just walk with Jesus. A little inconvenient, but necessary response to the grace of Jesus. The story continues. Verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now again, we expect at this point, come follow me. Give up everything. Right? <laughs> By the way, you're probably going to get crucified. Not only that, you're going to get crucified upside down. And, and all this horror. Jesus could have told them all this stuff. Instead, this is what he said. Put out into deeper water and let down the nets for a catch. Like literally, Jesus is just like con- extending the conversation. Like I, I don't know. I can picture him saying, "Okay, what? what let's see. What can I do now?" And, and again, I don't know if you've ever shared somebody Jesus with somebody, and you're you're looking at them, you're trying to connect, and what, what will I say next? What will I say next? What? And and I can see Jesus, and and I, I doubt if he's worried about it, but the Holy Spirit's giving him everything he needs to say. But he he he's he's connecting the dots. He asked Peter to do something he'd done a thousand times before, but to do it different this time. Right? It was intriguing. Peter's intrigued, but he's irritated. <laughs> he's irritated because Peter could have said, look, we just clean and dry the net. Jesus, you know how fishing works in this area. You grew up here. Why are you asking me to do something silly? Why are you asking me to do something incredibly? And, and then Peter's very diplomatic, right? Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything, Right? He could have said, look, master, you know, the fish go deep during the day and then they come up at night. That's why we fish at night. Hey, Peter, let's go fishing when you're not supposed to go fishing. Hey, Peter, let's do it the way you're not supposed to do it. Right? Let's, let's do it my way. I'm not asking you to give me your family, your trade. I'm just asking you to do one thing differently than the way you've been doing it. You want the good life but you got to walk with me. Now, now try it my way. Just, just try it once. Just try it once. You've done it a thousand times your way, just once. So Peter is like, well, the, the carpenter knows nothing about fishing, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to get my brains fried during the day, and I'm going to go fishing with a carpenter. He's made sense so far. <laughs> Verse 5, Simon says, Master, we've worked all night, haven't caught anything, but because you say so, we'll let down our nets. Again, not because we think it'll work, not because I think it'll help my reputation, not because we think we'll catch anything, not because this is good use of my time, but because I've been listening for a while now. I've lent you my boat, you didn't wreck it, and now you want to go fishing with me. Fine. Let's go fishing. And you just think about it. Imagine what hung in the balance for Peter. <coughs> All, right, all Peter had to do was take one little tiny step, not a giant leap of faith, just one little step which Jesus invited him to take that step. Just one step. Just one step. Same with lots of folks sitting here today. You know that next step's a small one, but where will it lead? (laughs) Once you take that step, you're on that rabbit hole, and will you come back out 
You're all nervous, right? Do I want to take a walk with this guy? Jesus could have said, hey, Peter, look at this. Right? This is your tomb. It's going to take 118 years to build it. Right? This is going to be all for you. You're going to be a saint. They're going to call you Saint Peter. Can you imagine Peter sitting there with his nets? He just tossed a beer can out of the net. He would have turned and ran. <laughs> Jesus knew, wait, one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. Instead, hey, Peter, will you take me fishing? It's this gracious invitation. See, that's what Jesus is constantly doing to all of us. Hey, take me, take me to work today. Right? Take me to school today. Take me wherever you play, wherever you do the thing. Take me along with you, and let's do this together this time. Let me show you a different way of doing things. If you sit long enough and listen long enough, he's, he's going to invite you to be a part of what he's doing, right? He's going to invite you to join him. Then you're going to loan him your boat. <laughs> you're going to loan him your boat and then I'll tell you what's going to happen next. After you loan him your boat, he's, he's, going to, he's going to ask you to go fishing with him. He's going to ask you to do life with him. He's slowly drawn you in. There was no guilt. There was no shame. There was nothing like that. You could have said no at any point. It was all gracious invitations to walk beside Jesus. No pressure. Again, maybe you're at this stage, man. It's time to take him fishing. Time to take Jesus with you into your life. And again, this is where it gets exciting because Jesus is inviting you to try something different. You've done things a million times with your finances, with your relationships. You've responded to your spouse when they say something. You've responded this way. How about trying it this way, right? You've responded to your kids in this manner. You know what? Try this on. Try me on for size. Just, just try it. Something different, a different approach to life. And here's how you know the invitation to the journey of grace has been extended to you that he's asking you to walk a little further down the road with you, right? Because suddenly your conscience is bothered by something that was never bothered by before. <laughs> like, wow, it never bothered me when I killed people before, but now I feel like it's wrong, right? It's just something, something about it. It's just wrong. And, and this is Jesus. This is just saying, stop it. <laughs> that, that's bad. Stop, stop doing that. So Peter decides to go fishing with the carpenter calling the shots. And when they had done so, and again, not when they had believed so, thought so, intended or prayed so, when they had done so, and this is the crazy thing about Jesus, right? We can think about it, we can pray about it, we can Bible study about it, but until we actually do it, I don't want to say it doesn't count, but the job's not finished. You didn't follow through, any of you sports people. You got to follow through. Everything is in the follow through. Everything is in the follow through. If you're not following through, you stop somewhere before the end. That's what that tells you. Again, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them, and they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When, Peter, Simon, when Simon Peter saw this, hey, Dad, no work for four weeks, vacation, woohoo! we got more fish than we know what to do with. No, that's not what he said. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. So Peter's been hanging out with Jesus. Jesus knew what was going on, but Peter's kind of in the dark, and then finally the lights go on. This is God, and I'm not, and he's like freaking out. He's come face to face with his Lord and Savior. Notice it's not master anymore, it's Lord. 
His whole perspective just changed because he'd been hanging out with Jesus. He had no idea who he was hanging. He thought he was hanging out with a nut job, going fishing during the day. Who is this guy? But now Peter's like, oh, this guy's smart. This guy's something, somebody. Suddenly it's not about fish or fishing, right? Suddenly Peter knew who Jesus was and who he was. And the fact that he had condescended, I'm not sure I like that word, but he had gracefully come down into Peter's life. Peter's a little bit shocked. He didn't know what to do. This is not his, the way God works. God is far away and you don't come anywhere near him or you die. As sinful as he and his buddies were, the grace of Jesus went before them. Just same with Matthew. Jesus said, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you're currently doing. In fact, I know you're going to reject me, but I'm going to invite you to the journey anyway. I know that you're going to reject me and you're going to lead other people to reject me, but I'm going to invite you on this journey anyway. You deserve it because you're a child of God. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partner. Verse 10, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. For now on, for now on, I have a future for you. You weren't ready. I could have told you earlier, but you simply weren't ready. Right? But because you've been walking with me, I've been, wa- I've been watching. I've been watching. You've been walking with me. You're getting it. You're getting it. And now some of you are finally at this stage. You're finally at that stage. <laughs> for now on, you're going to fish for people. <laughs> and you're like, what does that mean? I don't care because I'm going to follow this guy. <laughs> I'm going to follow him wherever he goes because he seems to have the keys to life. Verse 11, so they pulled up their boats up to the shore, left everything, and followed him. And you would have too. And I would have too. Not because he suddenly called you to leave everything. Not because he guilted them, right? If you're a good Jew, you'd do it regardless. You'd pick up your boat and you'd be following me before you even thought about it. But because they responded to a series of gracious invitations to walk with Jesus the way Jesus walked Some of you are at this stage. It's time to leave your nets. This has happened. That has happened, right? You trusted Jesus with your marriage, your finances, your kids, your careers, and things have gone really well. It's time to go all in. Again, maybe some of you are at this point, right? You've sat and listened. You've loaned them the boat. You took them fishing a few times, and now it's time to join them. Toss your nets, become a fisher of men. No more, you can have this, but not that. No more, if you give me that back, I'll give you this. You know that thing that you asked for last week that I said no to? If you give me this, you know, this this negotiation that we have with God, no more of that. No more of that. You ask, I go. You, You say jump, I ask how high. I love that phrase. No more bargaining. The key, the key is this. We leave our nets for Jesus, not the good life. Okay, make sure you all heard that. We leave our nets for Jesus, not the good life. In Jesus, we find the way to God. In Jesus, we find the truth about God. And in Jesus, we find life with God. The truth about the good life simply doesn't exist by way of any other way or journey with anybody. 
The mistake we try to make, the, the mistake we make is trying to find the good life apart from life with Jesus, which is literally impossible. It is impossible. When we walk with Jesus, we know the truth and we have life with God. Right? To search for the good life and then try to add Jesus afterwards or try to cobble some truths together to make sense of Jesus, it won't work. You gotta start with Jesus. You gotta start with Jesus. His life explained why. Right? The truth embodied in him explained who he was and what God was. Here's the most important truth that I want to leave you with today. Jesus died to give you the life that you need. It is the good life, but it's a life in him. You can't start with a good life and arrive at a life with him. You have to start with a life with him, and that's the way you're going to arrive at the good life. He died to give you the life you need, but it can only be attained by his gracious hand. That's amazing grace. In the next several weeks of our series, we're going to be looking at some other types of grace. Uh, we're going to be looking at seeking or prevenient grace, uh, saving grace, sanctifying grace, sustaining grace, and sufficient grace. All right, we're going to really dig into what this word grace, what, it, what it's all about, and what it means to be a disciple and the fact that it's not on us. Right? It's, it's not on us. That sounds very, very strange. Um, it, it, it's on Jesus. It, it's on his shoulders. Right? When we travel with him, he's the guide. It, it's on him at that point. We've, we've thrown in with him. We've thrown in with him. So again, I want to congratulate our, our graduates, um, Valerie and JP and Chris and AJ. Uh, I, I hope you heard a few things because I, I know if I were in your shoes, I probably wouldn't be listening. I'm thinking about going to the beach in the afternoon. Hey, let, let's, let's bow our heads. Father, you are so good. You are so gracious. Your grace is so amazing. We're, we are in awe. Um, and I guess the best response, the response that you're looking for, Father, I, I think from your word is, is, is a two-step process. One, that we're thankful for what you've done for us, Father, and, and we are. And, and the second step, and I know this one is getting clearer and clearer in my head, um, we're to pass on that grace to our neighbors, the ones that don't deserve it, the ones that are running around killing people. They deserve grace too. They deserve amazing grace. And Father, you've given this message to us and, and as the hands and feet of your body and as your son is the head of this body, Father, guide us and lead us. Give us courage. Give us boldness so that we can share amazing grace with people who desperately, desperately need it. They have nowhere, no idea how to find it and who to turn to and who to walk with. Father, help us to show them Jesus. That's all we're supposed to do. Show them Jesus by our love. By our love. Thank you, Father, for everything you're doing. Thank you for our graduates and the life that they have before them. Thank you for the fact that you will walk beside them if they invite you. You've already issued the invitation. They've got to invite you in. Same with everyone in this room. Anyone hearing my voice at home, have courage. Invite the Savior of the world into your life. Walk beside him and just watch how everything changes. Everything changes for the better. Thank you, Father, for all of this. In your son's name I pray.
Amen.